Support comes from Empower Missouri, providing in-person and virtual training to become an advocate for Missourians living in poverty. Registration for Empower Missouri's March 27th Advocacy Day is at empowermissouri.org WOA. St. Louis County Executive Sam Page is set to go before Democratic voters later this summer, but he has competition to keep his job. One of the three Democrats seeking to unseat the county executive is St. Louis County Assessor Jake Zimmerman. And Zimmerman joins us on the latest edition of Politically Speaking to explain why he would be a better leader for St. Louis County and what his main priorities would be for the next two years. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. It's a little complicated in Bolivar because there is a Parsons family there. But we also knew that it was important to make sure that that we got to where we needed to go. You know if you walk in a room and you're getting ready to make a decision and everybody in the room looks like you, you need to stop. And right now what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. We want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent, Jason Rosenbaum. Joining me today in his spacious and beautiful University City headquarters, our special guest today, a Democratic candidate for county executive, Jake Zimmerman. He's also the sitting St. Louis County Assessor, by the way. I want to just ask you a relatively simple question. Why have you decided to run for county executive, and why do you feel that you would be the best person for this job? I'm running for county executive because the status quo is unacceptable. Steve Stenger left this community a legacy of betrayal, and it's time for an end to the backroom deals. It's time for an end to the patronage politics. It's time for an end to the corruption. It was bad enough when Steve sold us out to the highest bidder. But the sad reality is, since then, not enough has changed. And now, Jason, we are in the middle of the worst public health crisis of my lifetime. We are fighting the scourge of racism and police brutality. And what we have is a continued failure to reform. What we have is a lack of accountability, a lack of transparency, and it is time for it to stop. I'm running for county executive to clean up the mess once and for all and to bring the people of St. Louis County a government they can be proud of. When I had you on the podcast in 2018, I asked you about why you didn't run for county executive in 2018. Given what happened in 2019 with the fall of Steve Stanger, do you have any regrets that you didn't step forward in 2018 and run against Stanger directly? I regret that Steve Stanger was a criminal. I regret the tragedy that was the no-bid contracts, the political patronage, and the backroom deals. And I regret that the people of this community have lacked leadership for so long. What I'm proud of is I'm proud of my record running an honest office in St. Louis County in the midst of the madness. I'm proud that I stood up to the corruption. I'm proud that I said no to Steve's deals when others, including the current county executive, said yes. And I'm proud of that record. And I'm proud to offer people a change. Well, let's talk about the protests over George Floyd. 
Um, I think that there's no question that it hits St. Louis a lot harder than most places because this is a discussion we've been having since 2014. And I know from talking with you before, this is especially pertinent to you because your son was born on August 9th, 2014, the day Michael Brown was shot. If you're a county executive, what are you going to do to bridge the economic, social, and educational divides, even though I know county executive doesn't directly involve in education, uh, within our community when it comes to black and white people? Jason, a man was murdered in cold blood in Minneapolis, and it triggered a nationwide reaction, the likes of which we haven't seen since that terrible moment six years ago. And you're right, it is personal to me because of my son and my family and our own personal connection there and wanting to create a St. Louis where everyone has the same kinds of opportunities as my son has been so lucky to have. But the thing to say is this, and we know it here better than most, these kinds of tragedies don't just happen in Minneapolis. They don't just happen in Atlanta or New York. It is outrageous that St. Louis County has a police chief who, when asked, what do you think about racism in the county police department, said, I don't think there's a racism problem. Racism? No racism here. That is not leadership. That's denialism. That's sticking your head in the sand. Let's say it. Let's say it directly. There is a huge problem with racism institutionalized in our institutions going far beyond police, but there is a problem with police violence right here in St. Louis County. And I'm the only candidate for county executive with a real plan for police reform. I'm the only candidate for county executive with the guts to demand some accountability and some transparency. And I'm the only candidate for police reform who will say, no, it is not okay to have leadership that defends the status quo. Well, you mentioned your plan for police reform. What, what is it? What do you want to see the county police do? And, and also also the municipal, municipal police departments. I understand the county doesn't have you know, direct authority to tell them what to do, but I know mm-hmm. that Steve Stanger certainly wanted to do that, uh, both with the Better Together plan and also before that. So how are you going to succeed on both, both, both levels? Well, for starters, um, the bare minimum that needs to happen is an immediate implementation of all of the eight can't-wait recommendations, not just in the St. Louis County Department, as you said, but whether through pressure from above or from below, in every single police force in the St. Louis area. We can no longer afford to live in a community where things like chokeholds or the blue wall of silence are tolerated for even one more minute. But it goes way deeper than that. And, you know, my my plan has 20 bullet points in it and is wonkier than you want to get into right now. But what I will say is that beyond the immediate stuff that's got to happen, beyond the fact that my first act as county executive will be to sign President Obama's uh, pledge, what we need to do is we need to reevaluate and rethink policing in this whole region. We need to have the guts to confront situations where guns and batons should be the last resort and not the first resort. We need to engage with all sectors of the police force, not bury our head in the sands and pretend there's no problem. And we need to look at broader law enforcement reform. We need to fight the school-to-prison pipeline and think seriously about whether SROs should be in schools as opposed to counselors, mental health professionals. We need to think about who should be first responders in situations where we know there's a heightened risk of police violence, such as, for example, with the mentally ill and the developmentally disabled. And we also need to confront square on what this county executive hasn't done, which is the series of tragedies at the county jail. 
Six inmates have now died at the county jail just in the short period of time that this administration has been in charge. And in at least one incident, there's been a profound lack of truthfulness with, with the public, where county leadership said that the inmate had immediate access to health care, when in fact what we know, because his cellmate blew the whistle and told the truth to a reporter, is that he was lying on the ground, writhing in pain, begging for help for 24 hours before that help came. This is not okay. This is not acceptable. We need county leadership that's not afraid of transparency. We need county leadership that doesn't run for more backroom deals and that instead has the guts to say, we got a problem, let's fix it. How would you fix the problems at the county jail? I was talking with Raul Venasco when he came in and the sense I got from him is deaths in jail is an endemic problem across the country, especially in large jurisdictions that doesn't have an easy solution to it. What would be your plan to prevent some of those deaths from occurring? There may be no easy solution, but one thing that's easy to do is not to lie to the public. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's easy to do is not cook the books for contracts for your favorite vendors. One of the most troubling stories that I've seen out of this administration was that the county executive's chief of staff had lobbied for a company that wanted to provide phone services at the jail at a direct cost to the family members of those inmates. And this administration cooked the books to make sure that their political crony got the contract. And you know what? What that is is a poverty tax. What that is is making people who can least afford to pay it pay for the goodies and the backroom deals. The jail is not a place for political patronage. It is not a place for the same kind of shenanigans we've seen in the county for far too long. People are dying. The people deserve some transparency. I think that Proposition P, which was passed in 2017, had a lot of negative domino effects, whether it be other elements of county government wanting raises, whether it causing whether causing other jurisdictions to raise their sales taxes. And I understand that like the police department wanted that to add more officers and add body cameras and make sure that their police officers stayed there. But you could argue that it was also pushed forward to make Steve Stanger look tough for his reelection campaign, especially when we're talking about defunding the police. Do you think it's time to revisit Proposition P and perhaps put something else before voters that maybe redirect some of that sales tax to other endeavors besides police? What I think we should do is reimagine policing. What I think we need to do is look seriously at where we can invest our resources in things like early intervention, diversion from the law enforcement system, mental health counseling, to name just a few. Uh, we should be spending our resources treating drug addiction as the disease that it is, rather than treating it as a crime first. The guns and batons should be the last option, not the first resort. Uh, but what's particularly concerning about Proposition P is not just those vitally important questions of how we spend resources in accord with our values. What's also troubling is it's part of the pattern of the lack of accountability from this administration. This administration still hasn't told us where the money went. They said the fund was over budgeted and whoosh, where'd the money go? Before we can even talk about how we spend that money, whether it's better spent on body cameras or whether it's better spent on drug addiction services, the first question is, why can't they tell us how the fund was over budgeted and where the money went? 
So if you become county executive, I'm pretty sure that the same police board that is in place is going to be in place at least for another year or so. Would you tell the police board to fire the current police chief and replace her with somebody else? I will demand accountability out of any official who reports to me. And accountability means answering tough questions. There will be no place in my administration for anyone who doesn't have the guts to engage with everybody they serve. And there will be no denial of obvious problems that stare us right in the face. So I do anticipate some hard conversations with the police board and with folks throughout the force uh, if I'm there. Not not to be a jerk per se, but does the police chief even report to the county executive? Doesn't, doesn't she report to the police board? This county executive chose this police board and this police board chose this police chief. Perhaps there is some innocent explanation for what she said. I'm still waiting to hear it from her. I want to know why she thinks racism isn't a problem in the St. Louis County Police Department because, frankly, I have a different opinion. And I think if she spoke to a few police officers of color, maybe she would learn something. I want to talk about COVID-19 before I ask you about your broader vision for county executive's office. Um, it seems to me from your preamble that you don't believe that County Executive Page has handled this crisis particularly well, and I want you to explain why. In St. Louis County, it was possible to get a COVID test in the Central Corridor in De Pere a month before you could get one anywhere north of Del Mar Boulevard. And look, if we don't acknowledge the real and tragic divide that lies at the heart of this community, then we stick with the status quo and we get the same results as the status quo. It is not news that public health challenges in this community don't fall evenly. I was talking last year about how St. Louis County's own health statistics show that a woman of color living in North County who has a baby is twice as likely or more to have pregnancy complications than a white mother and twice as likely or more to have that baby die during childbirth. Every public health crisis has hit people in vulnerable minority communities harder than those of us who live in the Central Corridor. And if we don't acknowledge that privilege, then we're never going to face it. And that's exactly what has happened with this administration. By favoring the privileged and the affluent first, this administration helped to create the situation we now live in where a person of color in St. Louis County is four times as likely to get this virus as a white person and four times as likely to die. Anyone who tells you that the virus doesn't discriminate is wrong. Um, Jason, as we've discussed before, I've had my own personal brush with this. My son's preschool was the earliest hotbed of cases in the entire St. Louis region. We were scared to death. We had teachers in the ICU. We didn't know if they would make it. But we were also comforted by the knowledge that we had access to what is one of St. Louis's great virtues, some of the best health care that money could buy. We're lucky. We're profoundly lucky. But there are people in this town who don't have that same level of privilege. There are people in this town who still today are being put at unconscionable risk because of the division of resources. And what this administration has done is it has spent vital relief dollars on political patronage when that money could have gone to help the community. And that is not acceptable. Well, explain what some of that patronage is. Like, what do you mean by that? $170-plus million came from the federal government to fight the COVID pandemic. 
And I don't know how much you know about the Trump administration, but I have this strong hunch that maybe President Trump won't exactly be sending us another batch of 170 million with his compliments when this batch is gone. But this administration's first move was to fight hand and tooth to avoid any transparency and accountability in spending the money. They wanted to, and they did, put a campaign donor in charge of distributing the money, a political crony in charge of so-called transparency with no real accountability and no hint of a real voting or appropriations process so the public could know where the money was going. In order to buy that from the county council, what this county executive did was shameful. He took about $15 million of that money and bought them off. He handed out a couple million dollars to each one of those politicians as a slush fund. Said, call it small business relief. You spend it however you want. Give it to whichever business meets your criteria. You decide. Hand it out. He gave them patronage money to hand out so that he, in turn, could get permission to spend the rest of the money without accountability. That's why we have no-bid contracts. That's why we have questions about how this money is allocated. That's why we have campaign donors in charge of the spending rather than doctors and scientists. But worse, there's $15 million that wasn't spent on personal protective equipment, that wasn't spent on testing, that wasn't spent on protecting people about to be evicted from their homes. That's $15 million that won't come again, and that's not okay. Well, let's break that down into two parts. So what Page and his allies on the county council will say is that the reason they gave spending authority to the county executive is they believe that he needed that authority to act quickly. And going back to the county council for each appropriation would have wasted time and not given him the flexibility to act during this crisis. What do you, what do you say to that? I say that no responsible governmental institution in this state or elsewhere has chosen that. I say that when the leadership of Jackson County in Kansas City was presented with the same Faustian bargain, they said not just no, but hell no, that that is not how it's done, because this is a democracy. And in a democracy, we have accountability. If you're too scared to ask for permission from the people's elected representatives to spend the money, then it's probably because you have something to hide. and. The proof is in the pudding. We don't have real transparency, but what we've seen is troubling. No-bid contracts, a makeshift morgue built with total violation of the county's minority participation rules, followed by the county executive refusing to even meet with minority contractors protesting in front of the building. These are not signs of accountable government. These are signs of backroom deals. Now, on the small business fund that you alluded to that you called a slush fund, how can you criticize the page for taking all of that power, but then criticize him giving the council authority over the small business relief part? It seems like that is him responding to some of the complaints. What do you say to that? What I say is that scientists and doctors and public health leaders should be the people deciding how COVID relief money is spent, not a bunch of politicians being given money to hand out to their buddies. I have no idea what fill-in-the-blank West County or South County Republican County Council member will ultimately choose to spend their chunk of the $2 million on. Maybe they'll spend it to help some uh, gym owner having trouble keeping their gym in business. I'm sure that's a legitimate and valid cause for that person and their business. But is there any likelihood that public health leaders would say that million dollars or that $50,000 or whatever it is is better spent there 
rather than being better spent where people are dying, where the public health need is the greatest. This is not the time for old-fashioned ward-healing machine politics. This is the worst of what St. Louis has seen out of its government time and time again. And in particular in St. Louis County, we've seen this movie before. We've seen what happens when a county executive is handed authority to hand out money however he likes in return for political favors. It doesn't end well, and it's not going to end well this time either. The biggest source of public complaint I've heard about County Executive Page's response is the fact that he kept certain businesses closed for longer than it should have been. You mentioned gyms, but also pools and other certain businesses were closed beyond May 4th, which is when the stay-at-home order was eased for the state. Did you have any issue with the county being slower with reopening? My question is what the actual plan was from the beginning. My question is why the profound inconsistency. What I see is a bunch of political scrambling, a bunch of frantically trying to look good at the press conference rather than following the science. That's the only explanation I can come up with for why, for example, the county executive closed the county parks at the same time as adult bookstores stayed open, and at the same time as the mayor of the city of St. Louis kept the parks open. Where's the regional coordination? Where's the leadership? You know, our leaders can't let their egos get in the way of working together. Um, Another one in that vein that is particularly troubling to me is when the county chose to hoard its budget money on the subject of hiring contact tracers. The city of St. Louis didn't get enough money to pay for all the contact tracers they needed, and the county, which had plenty of money to pay for contact tracing, said, well, I guess that's your problem. Folks, the virus doesn't care which side of the city-county line you live on. If contact tracing fails in one place, it fails everywhere. And again, this is not a time to fight to protect your budget. This is a time to work together to save lives. How would you have handled the situation that you alluded to earlier, the lack of testing in North County? What would you have done differently than the administration to make sure there was more robust testing there? I would have invested resources in doing it, and I would have put the necessary pressure on community leaders and health system leaders more broadly to get the job done. We all got to work together. We all got to come to the table, and we've got to stop picking fights with one another over who's on which side of a jurisdictional boundary. Um, You know, it's the same old movie again and again. This county executive last year picked a fight with the mayor over who pays for 18 cops on the Metrolink. I don't care who pays for 18 cops on the Metrolink. What I care about is that people can feel safe on the trains. And the same is true with contact tracing, and the same is true with getting the testing where we need it. This is the job of leaders and policymakers. A little less politics, a little bit more science-based plan. We'll be right back after this break with County Executive Candidate Jake Zimmerman. And we're back with Democratic County Executive contender Jake Zimmerman. So we've talked about COVID and we've talked about the protest over George Floyd. What I'm doing for all these shows is I want you to lay out your vision for other aspects of county government that don't fall into those particular subject areas. I'm kind of giving you free free reign, so to speak, to talk about what are some other things you would want to do in the least two years you would have as county executive if you're elected later this year. I want to fix the epidemic of patronage, bad management, backroom deals, and nonsense politics that has afflicted St. Louis County for far too long. 
we've already seen and we've already talked about how that is having a cost in human lives and suffering because of this public health pandemic. And we've talked about the outrage over inmates continuing to die at the jail with no leadership and no accountability. But this problem afflicts the rest of St. Louis County government too. To give you just one example, um, take a look at the county animal shelter. Now, maybe to some folks listening, the county animal shelter may not seem as important as the public health department right now, but it shows a light into the way this leadership behaves. The county animal shelter was disastrously run under Steve Stenger. It was run by an incompetent administrator who, by the way, was also a racist and who delighted in lying to the public. This administration, faced with protest and faced with volunteers at the shelter, the same people who brought those problems to light under Steve Stenger, the people who were showing up to clean the cages to try and save the lives of the dogs and the cats, when these people blew the whistle on continuing problems, what did the Page administration do? Well, they didn't respond promptly to the Sunshine requests and they didn't provide transparency to the public. Nope, they fired the volunteers. Think about that for a moment and let it soak in. They fired the volunteers who were pointing out what was wrong. This is the core difference between me and my opponent. I have built a career in public service on fighting for transparency and accountability. I've built a career right here in St. Louis County on having the guts to not stick my finger into the wind, but to do public policy and you know what? When you see wrong being done, you admit it, you let the chips fall where they may, and you work to fix it. So whether it's ending that kind of nonsense or ending this culture of patronage and jobs for political cronies and backroom deals that afflict this administration just like it did the last one, that is the core difference. What you get when you get Jake Zimmerman is you get someone who has the guts to make this government work for the people it serves. One of the ideas that at least the Republican members of the council have seemed to embrace is the idea of a county manager, similar to a city manager, who would probably handle most of the contracting. Now, that would almost certainly have to go to a vote of the people. And I could also understand the converse view of that, that uh, takes away a lot of the accountability from the elected leadership. Where do you fall? in that continuum. You know, that was part of a broader conversation about charter reform, and there was a lot of noise made about big, bold reform with the county charter a year ago. And then this county executive uh, did his very best to make sure it all got shoved under the rug and make sure that any real proposals just got scuttled by the wayside. Um, I'm open to any real proposal for reform that can command public support across the political spectrum and that can help us fix some of our broken ways of doing things. But we've got to stop with the nonsense politics. We've got to recognize that the first step is honesty and transparency with the public and ending the political patronage and ending the, uh, the contracts for favored cronies and all the rest of it. And then, yeah, let's talk about serious reforms and how we make it so it never happens again. What would be your mentality of dealing with the county council? I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that have to happen between now and November. I don't know if there's going to be, for example, two Republicans or three Republicans. I don't know, for example, if Kelly Dunaway is going to be replaced by Barry Glantz. So we don't know what the county council is going to look like if you take mm -hmm. office. But like, what's going to be your general philosophy of working with the county council? Because I've heard often, and I, this goes back to Steve Stanger, about wanting to work with the county council collaboratively, but that sort of gets up into a plume of smoke once the rubber hits the road. 
by acting on the assumption that everybody is a public servant, that everybody is there for the right reasons, and that everybody wants to serve their community. I mean, I get it. The council has D and R after their names, right? Everybody in this story is an elected official, and there will always be some profound differences of opinion. Plus, you just called them like evil politicians earlier. I'm, I'm being, I'm being and, facetious, but and, only partially and think, facetious. And, and Jason, it's not hard for you to find the immediate points of disagreement, to pick mm -hmm. an obvious <laughs> one. I have rather different uh, views on marriage equality mm -hmm. than some of the Republican members of that council. But you know what? They're still there to represent the people they serve. And if they're willing to come to the table and talk about public policy, then I'm there. Because we all need to work together to provide some better leadership. And no, I'm not going to stand for the political backroom deals. And no, I'm not going to hand out patronage funds. And if that bothers someone, so be it. We can take our case to the voters. But there's a lot of common ground because we all have a responsibility as leaders to serve the people. City-county merger issue may come up again in the next two years. Obviously, Better Together uh, flared out in dramatic fashion. I remember when you were on St. Louis on the air and, and expressed pretty severe misgivings about that. This is a tough question to ask candidates because oftentimes they say, well, I can't talk about like what I want with city-county unification because we don't know what the plan is. But like, what's your general philosophy? Should the city become a muni within the county? Should there be a mega government? Should we should we have these talks again at all? Or should we just kind of like move on from this discussion? Thing? Jason, I think you should be in charge of everything. I think we might get a better result than what we have right I now. I don't think that I don't think that's a good idea. We would we would turn well, into the Republic of Rosenbaum and I would also make us the fifty first state and my six-year-old would become the, the president of it. I, but we're getting far afield. Let's I, go. You know, I said that facetiously, but there's a point underlying that. And it's the same point that I made two years ago when we talked about that. Um, the Republic of Rosenbaum is a bad idea for the same reason that every pie-in-the-sky, top-down reform proposal that has been foisted on this community for decades seems to crash and burn. As you said, two years ago, I expressed significant misgivings. And the reason I expressed those misgivings was because process matters. When a bunch of Republican political consultants get together in a room and say, all right, we know what's good for you. And now what we're going to do is we're going to shove it down your throats. That's not how you do reform. The people can see through that. That sort of thing, it doesn't matter how good or bad an idea it is. Of course, it's doomed to failure. Real reform takes hard work. It takes talking to the people affected by it. It takes working with local leaders, those school board members, those mayors and city council people, but the people who live in the community. So do we need more regionalism? Yes. Do we need to stop fighting with one another over who pays for the 18 cops on the Metrolink? Yes. Is it criminal that the county and the city should have a budget fight over who pays for contact tracers while lives are at stake? Yes. Should we have multiple 911 dispatches? No. Do we need as many overlapping governmental entities as we have? No. There is such an urgent need for reform. It's time to put the egos aside. It's time to put the political gamesmanship aside, and it's time to start working on it. Are you disappointed the city never managed to get their members of the Board of Freeholders put in? Hope springs eternal that a group of representative citizens from both the city and the county line will finally come together and work on this. Um, I'll leave city politics to the city politicians, but what I will say on the county side is that I am very concerned by the continued culture of 
political glad-handing and backroom deal-making that has seemed largely so far to result in no real reform and a culture of defending the status quo. In the last few minutes, let's talk about the impending campaign. First of all, how do you even campaign in an environment where people are not comfortable with, say, your campaign workers going door to door? And I know that you're a known entity, but like, how do you get your name out in a multi-candidate race and kind of push through competing in multiple messages. Boy, Jason, I, I love to shake hands, and this is a, this is a hard time to shake hands. Um, but there is something you can do, even in the era of a pandemic, and that's raise your voice. And when I look at the continued tragedy of institutional racism and police violence right here in this community, when I look at the disproportionate impact of a public health calamity that hits some of us much harder than others, the only thing I know how to do is raise my voice. The only thing I know how to do is demand accountability. The only thing I demand how to do is fight for change. And I'm confident that come August 4th and in the absentee voting beforehand, that people are ready for change and that people will vote for change. So I want to ask you this question, because if, if any of your opponents attack you, it's going to be on your record as assessor, and they're going to point to instances where people's assessments went up and they're going to claim it was unfair. I, I can see that as the main attack against you, that you shouldn't get a promotion when you raised everybody's assessment on the cusp of an economic calamity. I am shocked, yes, shocked, that anyone in this community might be other than happy with the county assessor. <laughs> Uh, Jason, I've been yelled at by more tea partiers at more town halls than I can imagine over the course of a decade, and I wear it as a badge of honor because as a public servant, my job is to serve everybody, not just the people who like me and not just the people who agree with me. Through my time in county public service, including the time when a career criminal like Steve Stenger was in charge selling out the store, I have followed the law even when it hurts, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make people happy. The only reason you should believe me when I tell you I'm not just another politician, when I tell you that I don't stick my finger in the wind, that I do what's right and I own the consequences, is that I have 10 years under my belt of having the guts to do exactly that. And what that means is that when the politically connected developers, when the casinos, when the fake farmers, when the rich fake charities came calling to try and put political pressure on me, it probably would have been pretty easy to cave in. And it probably would have done wonders for my campaign finance too. But I learned a long time ago that it's much better to follow the law and do your job and then be accountable to the public. Because once you start handing out goodies, once you start handing out favors, then you go down the Stinger Road and you can never go back. The only reason anyone should trust me with the role of county executive is because you can see that I have devoted my entire time in public service to that kind of honest, accountable government, even under tough circumstances. So there is another major candidate in this race, Mark Montavani, and I'm going to be talking with him in a few days. I could imagine he's going to say, well, look, I'm the guy that actually put my own money to run against Steve Stanger. I warned everybody that Steve Stanger was a disaster. I feel like I should get another chance to the voters to be county executive because, you know, I was the person that actually put myself on the line, going back to my second question. What would you say to him 
that he's a better alternative to Sam Page than you? Well, I think uh, if Mark had had the guts to run in the Republican primary in the first place, we might be having a different conversation. But one of the reasons that um, voters, even knowing full well what was wrong with Steve, uh, still chose him over Mark might have had something to do with Mark's history of palling around with and giving generous donations to Republicans like Eric Greitens. Um, and that's something that Mark can answer for on his own, and perhaps he will. But more broadly than that, uh, voters looking at this race, more than any ideological difference between the candidates, I mean, Jason, as you said, Mark's message appears to be that he made a few millions in the private sector, he ran a business, he has no government experience, he's an outsider here to shake it up, and he alone can fix it. And, you know, I feel like I've seen that movie somewhere before, maybe in Washington, D.C., and I don't recall it ending very well. So I guess this is one of those places where our values just diverge, and that's okay. What's at stake in this election? What's at stake in this election is building a more equitable, accountable, and transparent St. Louis County government. What's at stake is that people are dying, and they are not dying in even numbers in this community. What's at stake is the other virus, the virus of institutional racism that affects us all, and particularly those of us who hail from white St. Louis, need to have the decency to stand up, to acknowledge, and to fight against. What's at stake is ending the culture of cronyism and backroom deals and bad patronage politics. What's at stake is a government that the people of St. Louis County can be proud of. Well, Jake, thank you very much for coming on the show for all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. How could people follow you on Twitter or any other place on the World Wide Web, including your campaign website? We're on Twitter at Jake for STL Co. Find us on Facebook at Jake Zimmerman. Email us your questions. I love hard-hitting questions. Email us at jz at jakezimmerman.org or give us a call, 475-3444. Thank you very much. Until next time, so long.